Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. My faith is stirred. I'm ready to preach. But uh, if you, goodness gracious, I was just, I've been thinking about that moment all week long. And uh, you guys don't know this, but Shauna and I, the week before um, Dr. Weber and Jamie talked with us, um, we had gone to Tallahassee to meet our pastors, some of our overseers that, you know, speak into Shauna and I's life. And, you know, they have a daughter, Summer's age. They kind of grew up together until we moved here. So we, we met at the hotel and the kids got to swim and we were just talking and they had just told us that there were three couples in their church that all were struggling and they prayed for all three of them and within a matter of I think a month and a half, two months, all three of them came back pregnant. And so I was already just encouraged by the, by the, the, the testimony before we had even been approached. And so look, this is just the God that we serve. And uh, like I said, we don't, we don't tell God what to do. We ask and we believe and we trust and we, we trust um, God with the way that, that he works, amen? And so um, anyways, I'm excited. I'm ready to preach. And like I said, that was a setup for you, that song about authority because I'm preaching on authority today. But you're actually, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us. My name is John. Uh, my wife, Shauna, is up here. We get the pleasure of being the lead pastors here at Voyage Church. And we are 15 weeks in and God's just doing some incredible stuff and we're super encouraged. But we're actually in the middle of a series right now. This is week three of the series called The God I Never Knew. And so for me, I grew up in church. I don't know what your story was, but that was my story. Um, you know, there's the old preacher joke. I was a drug baby because I was drugged to church. Like, there was just no option. Um, my dad had me in choir. I can't even sing. I don't even know. I went to choir my whole life. Um, but I was just in church. And so for me, growing up in church, I heard a lot about God. I heard a lot about Jesus. And I knew the Holy Spirit was a part of the Trinity, but other than that, I can tell you what the Holy Spirit, if someone came up to me and said, hey, what's the job and the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? I'd be like, I don't know. I, I think he was hovering above the waters before everything happened. I don't really know what he does. I don't know what his job is. And so as I grew in my faith, I, I went on a journey about 23 years old. I'll be 34 next week. Um, 23 years old, and I just had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that shifted everything. I remember I drove back from Louisiana where I was living back to Florida to preach at my home church. And after preaching, my mom came. She grabbed me by the arm and pulled me aside. And she said, what happened to you? And I was like, am I in trouble? She was like, something's different. And I, I realized it clicked. She hadn't seen me preach since I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and really gave the Holy Spirit room to do his job in my life. And I told her, I said, mom, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and everything changed. Everything changed. I said, I'm, I'm talking about scripture would come to my memory, and then it would remind me that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to send you a helper, and he's going to remind you everything that I told you, and he's only going to speak that which the Father has said, and I began to see the role of the Holy Spirit in my life when I had this fresh encounter with him, and so this week, I want to talk about, the first week was, uh, what is he like? No, the first week is, who is he? Last week is, what is he like? So, who is he? He's a person of the, the Trinity of the Godhead, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The first week, I really wanted people to walk away knowing Holy Spirit is your God. I heard it said by a pastor one time. He said he was headed off, leaving his church, headed off to seminary, and his pastor looked at him and said, hey, be careful of people who talk about all that Holy Spirit stuff. And he said he was kind of like, that's a weird statement to make, but, you know, I guess there's some weirdos out there. And he said he went on to Bible college, and he said as he began to learn that it is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, he said he had this revelation one day. He said, 
that man actually looked at me. If Holy Spirit is God, you know what he just said to that man? He said, watch out for people who talk about God. That's a dangerous statement to make. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. And so the Holy Spirit has a role in our lives. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said to them, it is better that I leave and send you the Holy Spirit. The disciples are like, you crazy. What do you mean? I gave up everything, followed you for three years. What do you mean you're leaving and it's better? But Jesus knew the spirit that you guys have been watching me with the spirit empowering me, I'm going to leave and put that spirit on you. It's better. It's better. And so that week one is, um, who is he? Last week is, what is he like? And we talked about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anybody got a song? You want to sing it? I'm just kidding. Um, There's like a bunch of different kids' songs. But uh, if you grew up in church, hashtag church kids. But um, one of the things I wanted you to walk away with last week is, I don't know about you, I started throwing fruit out in the crowd, right? I beat you to it. Y'all couldn't get angry and start throwing stuff at me. I threw it at you first. But I started throwing fruit out because I know for me as a Christian, it's, it's so many times like, man, I need, to, I need more love. I need more peace. I need more patience. When the reality is, is the Holy Spirit produces fruit. My focus is root. I need more Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will produce that. And so my prayer is that everyone would walk away and go like, I've been focusing on all the fruit that he produces when my focus needs to just be being with him. And then that stuff will begin to flow from my life. And so that is what, is he, what is he like? But then this week, I want to talk about this. Here's the question. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, what the heck are you doing? Because I got my own notes, and I'm preaching the sermon. The ones that take notes are the ones that God promotes. Note takers are history makers. There's some preacher quotes for you, okay? But seriously, here's why I say take notes. I have sat in my garage going through things and opened up a journal from when I was in high school at a youth camp and read notes, and God was speaking to me. I didn't realize what I was writing was actually seeds for my future. So you got a smartphone, get ready, take some notes. Here's the whole focus for today. What does he offer? What does he offer? We've talked about who who he is. We've talked about what he's like. But what does he offer? What does he offer? And so I want to read you a scripture that I kind of alluded to as we closed out last week. Um, I talked about the fact that everybody in this room, even if you're not a Christian, if I said John 3.16, quote it, you you could at least like muddle your way through it. God loved the world, begotten son, eternal life. You know, like you get through there somehow for the most part. John 3.16, it's classic. I mean, again, lots of people who aren't even Christians can quote this. But I remember being asked one time about 10 years ago, I was looked at across the table, and they said, you know John 3.16, but do you know Luke 3.16? I said, no, but I know it's in the Bible because I know there's more than three chapters in the book of Luke, and I know there's more than 16 verses in Chapter 3, I just don't know what it says. And when I read this scripture, it took me on a journey. This is where my journey with the Holy Spirit began because I was like, wait a second. I've been in church all my life, and I've never heard anybody preach and or talk about this verse. And this verse is all about Jesus. So I'm going to read you, but not just the verse. I want to give you the context of the story. Is that okay? All right, two people. Great. The rest of y'all, I'm just... Look, if you got a neighbor who falls asleep, chop him in the throat. Keep him awake, okay? We ain't falling asleep in church. Life is too short for boring church, okay? We are in Luke 3. I'm going to start in verse 7. It says this. When the crowds came to John for baptism, this is John the Baptist, he said, you brood of snakes. What a great welcome. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. See, the people were just coming, wanting to get baptized, wanting to do a religious duty. But please know that following Jesus has nothing to do with religious duty, but everything about devotion. 
This is not duty. This is devotion. We are devoted to Jesus because of the way that he loves us. And so he calls them out. He says, hey, you need to prove by the way you live you've repented, and then you get baptized because that's painting the picture, right, uh, of, what, of what you've already done inside. He says, don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised and ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Man, John is preaching a fire message out the gate. No pun intended. Okay. Man, tough crowd. Verse 10. The crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Verse 12. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? And he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. Because it was known that tax collectors, that's why the story of Zacchaeus is so famous. They didn't just collect what was owed. They added stuff on top and they pocketed it. I mean, these guys were the gangsters of the day. Like, they were running the, the towns. They were ruining things, right? They were causing tons of issues. And so he says, only take what's required. Verse 14. What should we do, asked some soldiers. John replied, don't exhort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Because the Romans, if they, if so, if they arrested someone, took someone in, they caught someone doing something bad, the Roman soldiers, they would get extra dividends because of cleaning up the streets. But John knew that they were doing this on purpose, making false accusations to make more money. And so John is just reading their mail. I mean, everybody, what should we do? And John's like, I'm glad you asked because I know all your dirty secrets. I'm going to let you know what you need to do. And it says, verse 15, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. I mean, we could all gather that. These are Jews. If you don't know, the Jews are waiting for a coming Messiah. They're waiting on their Savior. This is something they've been told about since birth. Like, they know that they're waiting on the one to come. Now this guy is baptizing people, and he's reading people's mail without even knowing them. And they're like, well, this guy's got to be from God. And he was from God, but John's job was to prepare the way of the Lord. And look what happens in Luke 3:16. John answered their question by saying, "I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire." In case you didn't know, biblically there's more than one baptism. It's why at Voyage Church, someone asked me one time, why do you call it water baptism? And I, we obviously did baptism a few weeks ago. I was like, I kind of want to tell you, but I kind of want to wait before I open up that can of worms because there's more than one baptism. There's more than one baptism. There is a baptism. See, water baptism is done by disciples. Disciples baptize disciples. We baptized one lady in our church, and I was just sitting there, and I saw her husband standing there. I said, hey, step down here and, 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 and help baptize because Baptism is done by us, but there is a baptism that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus takes the Holy Spirit, baptizes you into the Holy Spirit. It says Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, this word fire can, uh, can kind of confuse people and freak people out, but the word fire is actually pointing to the fact that if you look in the book of Acts, when Jesus tells the disciples, wait in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes in the upper room and fire shows up in that room, filled with smoke fire on each of their heads, and the Holy Spirit is doing a fresh work because at this moment, everything is shifting that the Holy Spirit would not just be with the Messiah. It would shift, and the Holy Spirit could come to all humanity. And there's only one thing that you and I have to do to get this baptism in the Holy Spirit. You want to know? Perfect church attendance. You need to read your Bible every day at least two and a half chapters, okay, guys? 
And you need to make sure that, like, not just tithe, way above and beyond. Like, man, you better empty your whole bank account. No. There's one thing you have to do to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you the story. I don't have the scripture, but Jesus is talking to some religious people. And he looks at the Pharisees and he says, hey, how many of you, if your son asks for bread, you'll give him a rock? Or if your son asks for a fish, you'll give him a scorpion? And all the Pharisees are like, you're weird. We wouldn't do that. And Jesus says, you're right. And you're evil. (laughs) Hello. He says, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to people who ask? You know what your one requirement is to get this? Luke 3.16? Ask. Ask. Now let me help you out with baptism, okay? The word baptize means this in scripture. It means to immerse, to submerge. I love one of the definitions when I looked it up because I think about Voyage Church and one of the things I like to think about all of us is like we're like voyage vessels. Like we're like a vessel of God. And I think about voyage. It's a long and extended journey. Don't make fun of me for my like overindulging in the branding of our church, okay? But it, it literally said sunken vessels. Think about if a, if a boat sinks. Water's not just on it, but water's inside. Water has completely overtaken it. It's everywhere. See, when you and I say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. The Bible says he marks us with a seal. He's the one that is allowing the conviction of the Holy Spirit to happen. But there is a difference when you have the Holy Spirit in you, and then you're immersed and baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it says it right here. He is coming after me, and he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. I can't do that. You can't do that. He can do that. And how does it happen? Ask. Ask. There's a lot of people who are like, are you telling me I don't have the Holy Spirit? I'm not telling you you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, he marks you with a seal, guarantees your inheritance. I'm just letting you know that there might be more. Ephesians 5.18, I said it last week. It says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to filthy living, but instead be filled with the Spirit. That word filled in the Greek means continual filling, continual, continual filled. So it's not just, hey, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm good. No, it's God immerse me with your spirit. Jesus immerse me with the spirit. Jesus immerse me with the spirit. Because some of us feel real holy on Sunday, but then Tuesday gets crazy. Holy Spirit, baptize me, my thoughts, my words. Like, it gets bad. I talked with a guy yesterday. I was riding my bike uh, with a guy who's riding around the whole United States of America. And uh, I rode about 40 miles out with him just to give him some, some support. And then I came back, so like 80-something miles yesterday. And uh, I was talking with him, and he was just like, John, uh, he's from Uganda, originally moved to Canada. It's a really cool accent. He's like, John, it's been so encouraging you with me today, John. I love it. He's like, honestly, in Texas, I was saying some words I probably should not have been saying. And then he posted on Instagram last night, and he said, I'm going to come back and visit um, Voyage Church. And he's like, maybe I should get rebaptized because I need to get, what do you say, recalibrated or something like that. Because he's like, some of the things I've been saying, I'm just telling you that the baptism, when Jesus immerses us with his spirit, this is something that we can live in continually, immersed in the spirit of God. And so why is this important? This is important because when we talk about what does he offer The Holy Spirit is what allows you and I to walk in authority. It's what allows that if someone walks up to you and says, hey, I'm struggling with something bad. Can you pray? If in this season of your life, you're like, I don't know, man, I'll take you to my pastor. No, no, no. This church has zero desire to disciple people for you to just bring people to someone you think is more spiritually elite. Because I'm not more spiritually elite. I just understand that God is who he says he is. And however I got to ask it, he knows my heart. And I'm just going to pray and believe and trust him with the results. Every single person in this room can do that if you have a relationship with God. Every person. Every person. And so I want you to look at this 
because what I want to talk about today, because of Jesus, like John literally tells us, hey, look, Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And remember what he said. Don't forget this. I'm going to read the scripture. He says, I can't even touch his sandals. Like the guy who's coming next, I'm not even worthy to touch his sandals. Check this out, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. When Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, uh, he went there, but John tried to talk him out of it. I don't know about you, but don't try to talk Jesus out of stuff, y'all. Bad idea. Don't try to talk Jesus out of stuff. He knows what's best. He says, verse 14, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, listen to this, after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, and the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. It wasn't a dove. It was like a dove. And listen, settling on him. Who's him? Not a trick question. Jesus. The Holy Spirit settles on Jesus, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Two things I don't want you to miss with this scripture. Did you know that there was not a single miraculous thing done by Jesus until after this moment? Meaning, Jesus, he knew the word. We see him as a young boy in the temple. He's talking with the scribes and the priests, and he can spit the word of God. He has the head knowledge, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit brings a power and an authority. Do you know what the verse after this says? I don't have time to unpack it all. It says the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Excuse me? You're telling me the Holy Spirit, the good one, led me into bad situations? Why would he do this? Because the Lord won't tempt, but he'll allow tempting. Because what tempting will do is when you begin to operate in self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, by the way, it begins to stretch you and your capacity grows as a believer. And God says that if you've been faithful with little, I'll put you over much. God will literally begin to grow you as the Holy Spirit might lead you into something that's difficult, but it's, it's putting you in a place to rely on him more. Because I'll tell you one of the most dangerous things as a believer, hey, if you're comfortable as a Christian dangerous place to be dangerous place to be well i like i like the worship here cool you can like the stuff here but please know the word of god is going to stretch and challenge us to call us farther amen it's going to call us farther but notice the other thing about this scripture just a simple note because i want you to see yourself the way jesus sees you because you and i struggle with our identity and believing that we're worth it i grew up in church was like i'm just a sinner saved by grace that's all i am that is partially correct. I was a sinner saved by grace, and once grace saved me, it made me a son or a daughter of the king. If you had a child that you adopted as an orphan, and they legally became your child, and they went to school, and they drew a picture during picture time, and it said, I'm an orphan, the teacher would probably call you in and be like, hey, I don't know, they're talking about them being an orphan, and you would have to sit down with your child and say, honey, you once were, but you're ours now. You're my possession. This is what God does. Can I tell you what happened in the scripture that's so miraculous? John says, the one who's coming after me, I can't even touch his sandals. But he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's greater than me. I'm not worthy. Jesus walks up and says, baptize me. Yeah, John, I know you think that you're not even worthy to touch my sandals, but you'll actually be the one that will dip me under the water, and you'll be, it'll be the culminating factor of the Spirit coming on my life. God wants to do more with you than you think. God wants to use you to do more than you think. Don't think of yourself less than what God thinks about you. And this is the issue of when it's, I'm just a sinner. We get this mentality, so I'll just continue living that way. No, 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 no. 
I've been set free. I've been saved. So what is authority? What does the Holy Spirit do when it comes to authority? Do not miss this. Write this down, please. Authority is the right to act in a specified way. It's delegated from one to another. The right to act in a specified way, and it's delegated or it's given from one of higher authority to another. So I'm going to be very clear today. We're singing the song, the, the authority that Jesus has given me, right? This is not your authority. This is not you walking around that I can do what I want. I'm a Christian. I'll say whatever I want to say. Yep, that Ferrari, thank you, Lord. It's mine. No, 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 no. The Bible says that delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. The deal is, is that when you begin to delight yourself in God, he begins to change your desires, and your desires become his desires. And you stop being selfish, and you begin to be selfless, Right? And so authority is something that we've received from the Holy Spirit, but it comes from God. God anoints Jesus. Jesus, he, Jesus said it. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And then Jesus says, I'm sending another one, the Holy Spirit. I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and it will give you an authority. Let me show you a couple of scriptures to back this up. We'll spend some time in this one on June 5th, but Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power. Everyone say power. That was weak. This is the word uh, dunamos. It's where we get the word dynamite, okay? But you'll receive power. Yeah, it means like explosive power. This is what he's saying. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, he's saying my spirit will come on you. It will be powerful, and it will start at home, and it will go to the ends of the earth. That's the influence. Voyage Church, we've moved here. We've started here. We're loving our city well, and you'll watch our impact go to the ends of the earth. That when we were only three weeks old and everything happened in Ukraine, $2,000 given immediately for a pastor who said, I'm staying on the ground, took an armored vehicle from the Russian military, straight gangster for the Holy Ghost, and then just got in that thing, started driving around, rescuing women and children to the ends of the earth, right here to the ends of the earth, explosive power from the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 45 through 49, these are some of the last things Jesus says to his disciples. Please understand the disciples are locked in a room, scared of being arrested by the Romans or the Pharisees pointing them out because the body of Jesus is gone from the tomb, y'all, and everyone's going, what's going on? The disciples are locked inside a house, and the Bible says, peace be with you. Jesus just teleports straight up in the room. So he just shows up in the room, and this is his last things he says. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And listen to this. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Y'all do understand, these boys spent three years with Jesus, and he said, don't leave this city until explosive power shows up on your life. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I've got more. I'm going to give you more. Well, what do we got to do? There was two things they had to do. Wait and ask. Wait and ask. This, this is what they were to do. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus says this, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. This is the NASB, which has one of the most accurate um, translations when you're moving from the original language because if you read it in like the NIV, it's gonna say, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Well, we have to understand, heaven is already set. You and I aren't telling heaven what to do. So the NASB does a better job of taking the Greek and moving it over and notice this, 
whatever you, he's speaking to disciples here, the apostles, he says, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Can I tell you what authority does when the Holy Spirit is on your life? You literally get to become the mirror of heaven. Okay, what is in heaven? Okay, well, if I just had some people standing up here saying, hey, we're believing for a miracle, well, I can tell you that there's no sickness and there's no issues in heaven. It's a place of perfection. And so whatever is bound in heaven, it's going to be bound on earth. And then it says whatever is loosed on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. So what's free in heaven? What is flowing in heaven? I'm telling you when you get there, it is perfect. There's no crying. There's no dying. There's no pain. And if that's been loosed there and we've been given authority by the Spirit, guess what you and I can loose on earth. Now look, there's some people in the, I understand when this stuff starts getting preached, people are like, wait a second, this is getting crazy. It's only crazy until you try it. It's only crazy until your wife is battling depression and you as a husband stop thinking that you don't know what to do and you take authority because you have the Holy Spirit as much as anybody else. When you ask and you begin to pray every single night and you begin to anoint her with oil and say, God, the oil of your joy. God, I just thank you that it's touching her right now. God, that you are doing something supernatural in her life. This is authority. This is authority. Notice some authority we see in Acts 3, 1 through 8. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part at the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So he would come and beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. So please understand there's a need. They're like, hey, man, we need some money. Help me out, bro. And it says that Peter and John look at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. So in other words, a lame man most likely probably sitting there just asking for money and probably cowered down. He's been like this from birth. So his family, like he can't work. He can't provide for the family unit. So he's just put at a place, and hey, maybe he can get some shillings. And here he is, and Peter says, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I do not have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Look, this is Peter, a disciple, a fisherman boy. This is either the gospel of Jesus and the authority of the Holy Spirit working in his life, and it's for everyone, or it's not. We're either here because this is real, or it's not. And it says he looks at the man and says, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And Josh, I'm not going to read all of Acts 4 because it's a lot. But so when you fast forward in that scripture a little bit more, it says that they are inside the temple. And at this point, this man who, look, he sat outside the gate for his entire life, y'all. So I need you to see this, okay? This is a movie. See it like a Netflix scene. Out in front of that gate all his life. His legs get strengthened. He walks through the gate that he doesn't get to walk through. They put him outside the gate. He walks into the temple, and the Bible says he's like, woo! Like, he, it says he's jumping and dancing in the temple. At that moment, like, there's probably some, like, you know, little puffy priest, and he's like, who is that? Is that the, what in the world? What is going on? And then Peter and John walk in. And at that point, Peter realizes this was causing commotion, and Peter's like, Bro, I'm about to preach right now. Look, everybody, everybody's paying attention. And Peter just begins to preach the gospel of Jesus. And you can go read Acts 4, 1 through 22. Um, but there's this one really cool moment. Uh, da, 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 sorry, I want to find it for you. I just If we read the whole thing, it's going to take too much time. Um, so they start asking. Um, they start asking Peter, hey, don't ever do this again. But I want you to look at Acts 4, 13. 
This is you and I. This is you and I. Do not miss this scripture. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. These were not the guys who spent all the time in the temple. It says they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I'm telling you, when you spend time with him and he puts his power and his authority by the Holy Spirit on you, you can be unschooled, ordinary, no training, and people step back and be like, look, I don't think he should be able to pray like that. I don't think she should be able to worship like that. But all I'm telling you, I know one thing. They've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. If someone can say one thing about our church, I don't know everything about that church, Voyage Church. I don't know everything they're doing, but those people spend time with Jesus. There's no way they love the city the way they love the city if they don't spend time with Jesus. There's no way that their impact is going to the ends of the earth if they don't love Jesus the way they love Jesus. I don't know too much about them. I've never walked inside the building, but I can tell you one thing. They lift up the name of Jesus. This is all they noticed about these guys. This is all they noticed. And then in Luke 10, 17 through 24, I want to read you this scripture. This is about the, uh, the 72 disciples, a big group of people that followed Jesus. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you, but rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. In other words, don't rejoice because you've got authority. Just remember that authority was given to you from the one, from the one. We can't remember where this authority, we, we can't forget. We have to remember where this authority comes from. Caden, come up here. It's all good, y'all. She's the baby. So this is my, this is my, uh, <laughs> this is my nephew, Caden. <laughs> when I first met him, I've actually known him since he was a baby baby. He's technically Shauna's nephew, um, but then obviously I married Shauna. So. But I knew him before Shauna knew him. There's like a whole family story there. But I remember when he was born, he was... Uh, his mom was in the church that I grew up in. But I asked Caden to help me out with something because I want you to understand what's happening here because I opened up talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? It's three in one. So Caden um, is going to be, well, Caden, and I'm going to be Jesus and I'm going to be the Holy Spirit <laughs> because, well, I have the microphone. Um, I, I want you to see what, what happens here, okay? So the Bible says that we know that God draws people to repentance by his loving kindness. Well, what's one of the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces? What's one of the things the fruit the Holy Spirit produces? Kindness, right? Kindness. So I need you to see this. The Holy Spirit, when, when you don't know God yet, when you have not surrendered your life to God, the Holy Spirit takes you, starts beginning to draw you like, man, something going on. Oh, no, I went to that church. Oh, no, I just can't stop crying. Like, something going on. I remember someone telling me one time, he's like, man, the music, it's like electric. There's like something standing up on the back of my neck. And I'm like, that's called the presence of God. I promise you we don't run any electricity in here more than what's already. Um, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. And what he does is he begins to introduce you to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit brings you over. He's like, hey, you need to meet Jesus. Hi, I'm Jesus. Nice to meet you. So glad that you're here. Now, look, look, your life's never going to be the same again because you've encountered me. The Holy Spirit, which is also me, um, you know, brought you to me, which is also Jesus. And I actually happen to be God, too. But the Holy Spirit brought you to me, Jesus. And now, because of Jesus, the name above every name, you've been saved. Your name is registered in heaven. And your life will never be the same. But I can't let you stay. 
stay here. Because even my disciples, I had to tell them, hey, don't you go anywhere because you can't be my witnesses until you have power. So I need to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. So come here. So I'm going to bring you back over to the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm Holy Spirit. I actually met you earlier, but I had to get you to Jesus first because that's where everything begins. But now I'm the one that he's going to baptize you in and all authority is going to come to you. And that's where the power is going to be. And I need you to see from that moment, the Holy Spirit's going, hey, isn't it incredible what I can produce in your life? But look, you don't ever need to get your eyes off of Jesus, okay? Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm Jesus. I'm so, I just want you to remember, it's about me. It's always been about me. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. It'll never not be about me. It's lifting me up. When I'm lifted up, I draw everyone to myself. But don't you forget to walk in the power of the whole. Come here. I need you to come here. Hey, I'm the Holy Spirit. Don't you forget that this is where authority comes from. And this is your entire life. This is the cycle that you get in. There are cycles that we're in that Jesus wants to break, but I'm telling you, this is a cycle you want to live in. You want to be introduced to Jesus, reminded of the power of the Spirit, focusing on Jesus, reminded that the power comes from him and him alone, and this is the life we live. This is where authority comes from. Everybody give it up for Caden. Caden's going to go back to his church. People are like, who are you talking to? Holy Spirit, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Jesus, right? This, this is how this works. Jesus is saying, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's where authority will come from. Now, this is the last scripture I want to read. Acts 10, 34 through 38. Because I want you to know that, as we were singing that song, the authority that Jesus has given me. That this is not Jesus saying, hey, like, and this is not me just picking some things. Like, oh, let's talk about this. This is literally the life that Jesus lived. And if we talk about being Christians, the word Christian means little Christ. I want to be like him. Now, I know maybe for some of you, if you didn't grow up in church, you grew up in a more traditional background, you're like, but this is crazy. We're talking about, like, people walking and casting out demons. I just want to make sure you understand our culture has totally duped you and I to believing that spiritual things are something that they're not. Like, the majority of times demonic activity is happening, someone's head is not spinning around and no one's crawling up walls. Some of the most demonic activity that is involved in your life lives on a screen because of no accountability, because of no people in your life that say, hey, I believe in you. I believe in the man of God that you're supposed to be, and I'm going to be here to hold you accountable. Hey, girl, I'm with you. Like, don't fall into that pit thinking that, you know, because stuff's going on with your marriage here that you can just, you know, send a message. No, 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 no. Like, and that's where the, en- the enemy doesn't just show up and be like, ah! we go watch horror movies to be, like, shocked. The enemy, the Bible says that he was more crafty than any other creature. Oh, he knows how to work. He knows how to work. He, he knows that, look, Bible says don't give him a foothold. I don't know if you've ever done this, but someone tried to slam a door in your face and you put your shoe in there. Look, they can try and try and try and try and try. They will break that door before they get that door closed. I mean, even if they crush your foot, they're still not closing that door. And that's what the Bible talks about. Don't give him a foothold. Don't let just that little bit, because now that thing's cracked open. And he's going to wear you down, wear you down. But it's little by little. This is how the enemy works. And so this is why we've been given authority. So it's not authority to do whatever you want. It's authority to live and move like Jesus. Now look at Acts 10, 34 through 38. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Is anybody thankful that there's no favoritism when it comes to God? It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how much you know that if, if, you, if you believe and obey. Amen? Verse 36, this is the message of the good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. 
You know what happened through Judea beginning in Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism, taking you back to the beginning. And you know that God anointed, don't miss this, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with as I close today, I want to be really clear on authority because I am not preaching on this because I think that we should walk around like our church. If there is a posture that we hold as a church, it is, you've seen the sign, if you walk in, serving is our calling, humble servants. Humble servants because our king was a servant. Our king was a servant. That's what he said. He said, I came, I came to serve. I didn't come to be served. So this authority is not an authority. We walk around all religious and high and mighty. Do you know what's happened with the religious church? The religious church has become a museum for spiritually elite people when the church is supposed to be a hospital for broken people. This place will be a hospital for broken people. But in a hospital, that's where restoration and healing happens and people walk out and they're like, hey, I'm ready to begin something different, to do something different. Your walk looks different. I I could right now preach to you about Jacob getting in a wrestling match with God. And the Bible says that God knocks his hip out of socket. Because Jacob literally wrestles, which we believe was Jesus before, like, the the pre-incarnate. Like, he was wrestling Jesus. And the Bible says he knocks his hip out of place. But I always thought when I would read that scripture, huh, Jacob walked into a fight walking one way. And you know if your hip's out of socket, you're walking different. I wonder if that's just because after an encounter with God, your walk should look different. After the power of the Spirit and the authority of the Spirit gets on your life, your walk walk should be different. And so the authority, I wrote some things down. This authority is to step in with love and push out hate. This authority is to step in where there's chaos and to bring peace. This authority is to bring joy in the midst of depression. This authority is to not talk about problems, but to focus on being the ones who bring a solution. This is an authority to show up, just an authority to love. When the world is just hateful and at each other, we can step up in the middle there. I got an authority to love. I know you're frustrated about some stuff, and you're halfway right, and you're halfway wrong. I know you're frustrated about some stuff, and you're halfway right, and you're halfway wrong. And y'all are upset because you want people to take sides. But Jesus said that, he w- that it was the one to come and love the world. And when I look at a world, it's not a straight line. I see this sphere, and I wonder if it's because God didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. And that taking over is by a way of love. And it's an authority to step in and be like, I'm just, I got an authority to love here. You want me to argue with you? I don't even have the energy to argue. I just got an authority to love. I just want to love you right where you are, but God loves you too much to let you stay there. And God loves you right where you are and your political stance, but look, he loves you way too much to let you stay there. I just got an authority to step in with love. I've got an authority to pray. Can I just tell you, Voyage Church is not a church that we try a bunch of stuff, and when it's all over, we go, well, I guess all we do now is pray. I don't know what else to do. That is the worst posture of a follower of Jesus. We don't try, and then when all of our efforts are done, we pray. No, no, no. Praying is not the last resort. Praying is our very first response. It will always be our first response. We will show up and we will pray and believe. And obviously, you know, we we are not people who lack being willing to work and do whatever it takes to advance the kingdom of God. But this thing starts with prayer. When all this was set up, this team, 
all those sound people were up on this stage when none of you were in these seats and they were worshiping, calling down heaven, preparing the atmosphere for you to show up because we need him. There's an authority to pray, an authority to push back darkness. I, I don't know if you know it. We stand to your feet today. I, I don't know if you know it, but man, we're living in days of darkness, and I know every generation back, it's getting so bad, it's getting so bad. Well, the Bible tells us it will only grow worse. There's actually a scripture where Jesus says, it's, it's what they actually would call scripturally the, the, the birthing pains of the earth, like the actual earth, the planet, is crying out for the return of its creator. And so things just continue to get worse and worse. I mean, that's with, that's with environment, that's what, I mean, the Bible will tell you there will be fires, there will be earthquakes, all of these things are going to happen. It says they're going to happen more frequently. And then it says people are going to begin to be persecuted for their faith. We began to see that during COVID all over the world, things that began to happen, locking down the church. I'm not saying there wasn't wisdom and, and taking a moment. I'm just saying there are some government overreach to step in some areas and say, no, this, this shouldn't happen. But please know, y'all, look, and I know this is recorded, but I, I don't serve a government on this planet. Isaiah chapter 9 says the government rests on his shoulders. And of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. The government can do whatever they want. They can tell us we can't meet in churches. Guess what, y'all? Show up. I'll, I'll post my address. Let's go. Backyard, whatever we got to do. Like, the, the church doesn't get stopped. It's the only thing the gates of hell don't prevail against. Why don't the gates of hell prevail against it? Because we have authority. Because we have authority. Not authority to walk around like we've got it all together. No, it's authority walking around declaring, I met the one who holds it all together. Colossians 1.17, in him all things hold together. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if even that moment as we prayed earlier, some things began to stir up in you. But can I tell you today, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you need to do one thing. You need to ask. If you're a Christian in the room and you've never said, Jesus, will you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? Today is the day. The altars are open. It, look, it is not you need Pastor John. No, one requirement, ask. Ask the Father, and he will give it. If that's you today, man, I'm just encouraging you to ask. And it's not this moment. It's not like, oh, it's got to look like this, or you have to do this. No, no. Ask and begin to live it out. Ask and begin to live it out, because it's the voyage. It's the long and extended journey with him. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I feel like I'm supposed to ask this question. Is there anybody in here today, as I talk about when I showed you with Caden, the Holy Spirit brings you to Jesus. Is there anybody in here today that said, man, I don't even, I've never met this Jesus the way you're talking about him. I mean, I've been to church, but like, I've never heard it like that. Is there anyone in here today, just by a show of your hand, just be like, I, I want to meet Jesus like that. I want to meet Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.